Well, happy Friday, everyone. This is the last Friday of the summer, believe it or not. Welcome to this week's Fireside Chat. I'm Lisa Stearns. I'm here with our Senior Vice President, Tim Cross, who is back with us this week. We will be updating you today on the latest information regarding COVID-19 cases within the university, and we'll be sharing an update on some other news happening within the Institute. A couple of reminders, mute your audio, make sure that everybody can hear everyone else. Use the chat function on Zoom to ask any questions. You can publicly post your question in chat or you can send it to me privately. A recording of this session is always made and posted to the UTIA coronavirus website and you can find a link to on our homepage at utia.tennessee.edu. So Tim, it actually looks like we're seeing some improvement with our case counts. Will you give us some details? Well, thank you, uh, Lisa, and, and really good to be back with everyone. Uh, let me start this week, first of all, by saying a, a hearty thank you to uh, Dave White also. Uh, assistant, our Associate Dean White did a great job last week uh, from the feedback I received, and I really appreciate him stepping in uh, in my absence and, and providing some uh, updates to you and then also sharing some of his experiences uh, at the Emergency Operations Center. So thank you very much, Dave. And Lisa, thanks for the, the lead-in here. Uh, it does seem like things are getting better. Now, as we speak, I am knocking on wood that, uh, that we're not going to uh, jinx ourselves and head us uh, back in a bad direction. But uh, things are looking uh, more positive than they have for the past several weeks. And uh, that, that's good news, certainly. Uh, let me just touch really briefly on some of the data points that we've been reporting weekly. Uh, and let you know why, why I'm thinking things are looking a little better. Uh, first of all, in, in terms of uh, our positive cases, uh, we're currently seeing about 14 positive cases among employees, and that includes uh, the Institute of Agriculture and the University of Tennessee Knoxville as a whole. So uh, for our faculty and staff, a total of 14 positive cases uh, across campus and across the state. And that's, that's certainly 14 more than we want, but it's still a, a very good number and very low. The student numbers have really uh, decreased uh, since a week ago. Uh, we're down to 398 currently active uh, positive cases among students. So that's good news as well. And clearly uh, more than a couple weeks has passed since uh, students returned. Hopefully we're seeing some uh, even even greater adherence to social uh, requirements and guidelines uh, and students doing a better job, I think, of, of taking them care of themselves, keeping themselves healthy. So positive cases down in, in both areas there. In terms of uh, self-isolations, we currently have 107 employees, faculty and staff, in self-isolation, and that includes those positive cases, by the way. And uh, we have 1,433 students in self-isolation. Uh, that student number is also significantly decreased uh, from a week ago. And so we, we like to see that number as well. That means a number of students that were in isolation no longer are. Uh, and the majority of those obviously did not test positive even among those who were in isolation. So uh, great progress there. So what, what does that really mean uh, in terms of the Institute, sort of narrowing it down from, from the total university just to the Institute of Agriculture? Uh, we have six positive cases among UTIA employees, faculty and staff. And again, that's across the entire Institute, both on campus and across the state. 
and we have uh, 10 additional employees who are in self-isolation, the majority of those, because they've had uh, reported direct contact with a positive case. Uh, a small number of those would be symptomatic, uh, you know, currently exhibiting symptoms consistent with COVID-19, but not necessarily knowing the results of a test yet. So six positive cases, 10 employees in self-isolation. Again, very, very low numbers and, and much like we've seen the last uh, six to eight weeks, uh, really no change there of any significance. Across the country, uh, I'm sure you've been hearing in the news as I have that uh, nationally, the number of cases is down. Uh, the number of daily new cases, the seven-day average number of new cases, is now uh, averaging about 40,000 cases per day, which is a lot of people, way too many. But compared to the 60,000 per day that we were seeing in July and August, that's also uh, a significant improvement. And here in Tennessee, uh, we're actually probably much the same as we've been the last several weeks at about 1,200 to 1,300 new cases per day. So we're, we're unchanged. Uh, it's really not a significant improvement, but it's certainly not, not uh, anything uh, worse than what we've seen uh, in the previous several weeks. So all in all, I, I see you know, some positive trends there. Uh, and we're going to you know, hope that uh, by following these practices that we know will make such a difference, we'll continue to decrease the numbers and, and continue to flatten the curve. So um, with no real changes to our guidelines, we thought we might shift gears today. Um, COVID has obviously grabbed the headlines in recent months, but there have been some other significant events and happenings within the institution Institute. So would you mind uh, giving us some highlights? Yeah, I, I thought it might be good uh, to uh, share just a few uh, points of interest uh, for the group that uh, really uh, indicate some things that are happening uh, institute-wide, if you will. So uh, let's just talk about a few of these things. And this is by no means comprehensive. And, and it uh, is just a few, again, of the highlights or points of information that I thought uh, folks across the entire state and across the entire campus might be interested in. So first, we'll start with a couple of searches that are active. We've got several searches at any point in time, but right now a couple of uh, leadership positions uh, that are actively being sought. Uh, first, uh, the dean for the UT Extension position. Uh, that search is active. As you've seen, the committee is appointed and they're they're actively meeting. Uh, just a reminder that that search is underway, and I really appreciate uh, the group that's working on that. So we're, we're seeing uh, progress there, and the overall goal for that search is that we uh, will have uh, a new uh, dean named, perhaps not in place, but at least named uh, by the end of this calendar year. So uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Hongwei Shin and Dr. Kala Beal. Uh, for co-chairing that search, and, and they've got a great group of folks uh, working with them. So I'm looking forward to uh, continued progress on that search. Another search that I thought you might be interested in is, is this position right here, and I didn't have a good graphic for the position, but I thought it might be helpful just to look at the overall uh, uh, context for this position as well. I communicated previously that we are going to appoint um, a Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion be the first time that our institute has had such a position. Uh, and this position is actually to be announced any day. Uh, the search committee for it is in place as well. And that one's being co-chaired by Dr. Dave White. 
and Dr. Sharon Jean-Philippe, so I appreciate them. The way this position is structured, it will actually be reporting to our three agricultural deans, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, so it'll be a person that has responsibilities in the Herbert College, Ag Research, and UT Extension. Uh, but it also will have a uh, connection to Dr. Tyvee Small, who's the Vice Chancellor of Diversity and Engagement for the UT Knoxville uh, entire campus. And so we'll keep connected between the Institute and the UT Knoxville campus with all of our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. The, the new director, once he or she is appointed, will also chair our UTIA Diversity Council, which will include faculty, staff, and student council champions uh, from all units of UTIA. And that will include uh, members uh, from the College of Veterinary Medicine. Our College of Veterinary Medicine already has a, a position that is similar to this Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. That would be Dr. Michael Jones. So uh, this position, this new position will focus on the agricultural components of, of our programs, but uh, we'll, we'll link in uh, to the Diversity Council members of all the units of our uh, institute, inclu including the College of Veterinary Medicine. So I thought uh, that might be helpful for you to know that and, and to uh, know the plans that we have there. And that search, again, the position should be announced uh, any day now, and we'll try to move that along this fall as well so that we've got someone in place uh, later this fall. A couple are a, uh, at least one uh, capital projects highlight. Uh, I think most of you know that we're in the process of building a, what we've called a surge building, uh, which is going to house uh, all the faculty and staff that are currently uh, in Ellington Plant Sciences building. And then Ellington Plant Sciences will be torn down and we'll build the new energy and environmental science uh, building. Uh, starting hopefully uh, just after the first of the year. Got a few shots here just to show you that new surge building. Uh, and I, this is as of yesterday, so they're, they're very new, but uh, uh, maybe not uh, the best photographs. I, I've never claimed to be a photographer, but it was nice to take a, a walk down there and see this building uh, really uh, starting to take shape. Uh, this is the front end of the building that you're seeing here. Uh, this is from along uh, the side of the building. And I think I've got another shot more from the back side of that building. So as you can see, it's a very nice uh, facility. Uh, it's coming along well, and it's slated to be open and complete uh, shortly after the first of the year. So we look forward to that uh, coming online, and that will enable us then to, to start taking the next steps towards our new uh, science building uh, here on campus. So good progress there. Related to uh, capital projects, uh, this is a shot of the Broome Animal Science Arena. And what we are uh, in the midst of in, in the uh, Broome Arena is actually removing and have removed uh, the dirt floor that has been in the arena, which in this photograph, I believe, is covered with our, our removable mats. And we're going to replace all of that with a permanent uh, pervious surface that will work for both humans and for livestock. So we'll still be able to do livestock events in here, but we'll have a really good surface that uh, uh, is suitable for events such as uh, we had set up here. Uh, and the idea is that uh, we can make use of Brim in the future when Hollingsworth Auditorium is taken offline and demolished uh, as a part of the overall Ellington project. 
So we've got the dirt removed from the Broom Animal Science Arena. We're ready to put the new flooring in. Uh, we've got to do some ADA uh, accommodations because of the fact that the depth of the floor changed, but we're on track to, to really uh, make some improvements here in Broom Animal Science Arena that will give us uh, a nice space even after Hollingsworth uh, is, is uh, taken offline. So thanks to Neil Schrick uh, and the Department of Animal Science for working on this and all of these projects, Steve Gloffenheim, Joe Cagle and our facilities group uh, really works very well with and we appreciate uh, their, their efforts there. A few final highlights uh, relate to people. And I thought I'd share with you some, some recent uh, uh, appointments, uh, some of whom have started and some who will start uh, sometime between now and the first of the year. Uh, one uh, I'll mention uh, on the far left of your screen, Dr. Rob Williams uh, will be coming in as our department head for the Department of Food Science. He's coming to us from Virginia Tech uh, and he'll start uh, shortly after the first of the year. So we're looking forward to Dr. Williams uh, joining us in that role. Next, uh, Dr. Scott Stewart will be uh, starting as our director of the West Tennessee Ag Research and Education Center in Jackson. Uh, Dr. Stewart, I believe, is uh, going to take on that role October 1, transitioning from uh, Dr. Bob Hayes, who will be retiring. So, uh, Dr. Stewart, congratulations, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to working with you in that role. Next, uh, Mr. Rob Holland, uh, you've seen, has been appointed as an interim uh, assistant dean for ag programs in UT Extension. Uh, Rob is uh, following in the footsteps of Dr. Mike Bushmol. Uh, Rob and Mike will both be uh, transitioning over the next several months, but uh, Rob really taking a lead role uh, starting uh, now to uh, lead our ag programs work in UT Extension. And then finally, uh, Dr. India Lane uh, has been appointed Associate Dean in the College of Veterinary Medicine, uh, following in the, the great footsteps of Dr. Claudia Kirk. Uh, so she'll be working uh, closely with our students academics uh, in the College of Veterinary Medicine. So congratulations to Dr. Lane as well. So those are just a few uh, very brief uh, highlights and uh, uh, areas that I thought uh, each of you might have some interest and in that you might not know uh, as much about. Uh, so try to use our time wisely and, uh, you know, uh, keep you up to date on, on activities within the Institute. Clearly, there's still a lot of uh, excellent programming going on as well, and uh, we'll uh, look to highlight some of those excellent programs, projects, and, and activities uh, in future Fireside Chats, too. So, Lisa, that's it for um, sort of broad-level UTIA updates, and if we've got any questions, uh, please to, to take those. Well, we do have one question um, related to the surge building, and the question is, how in that space will we keep staff isolated? So I think uh, we'll, we'll do it in that space just like we're doing it in all spaces and that is any place we can't maintain uh, a six-foot distance we'll either look to uh, use some temporary plexiglass barriers or we'll rotate staff such that we don't have you know people in there uh, simultaneously that have to be within close, close proximity had a lot of folks say, well, gosh, we need to completely redesign that building and, and take a whole new approach to it. Uh, maybe uh, for purposes of COVID, that would be ideal. But remember, this building is being built for the long term. Uh, and we do want to make the best of it uh, for the next 30, 40, or 50 years, not just uh, 
uh, for the next uh, three, six, 12 months uh, while we're in the midst of COVID. So I think we'll, we'll make short-term accommodations in that building just as we have all of our others, and then we'll be in a position to, to utilize it fully uh, when, uh, when we're out of the midst of this pandemic. So great question. Well, unless anyone else has a question, uh, it looks like this may go down on the record as the shortest fireside chat we've held. <laughs> so. well, I see a lot of celebrating on, on that uh, note. You know, a lot of, a lot of folks uh, excited about that. Uh, so okay. maybe I ought to ask a question. Uh, you know, I'd love to ask this group, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, are you doing okay uh, in your positions, your roles? It's hard to answer that question in a chat like this, but uh, I will give a little preview that we're gonna be doing a survey again soon to check in with each of you, just to uh, make sure uh, if there's things that you need or, or challenges that you're facing that you don't feel good about, that you let us know so that we, we stay in touch with you. So uh, I, I would like to ask you that personally right now, but uh, just be aware there will be an opportunity soon. In the meantime, I hope you know that uh, if there are things in the very short term that, that need to be attended to that from your perspective aren't, uh, please let us know. Uh, we wanna make sure you've got uh, a great, safe and productive environment to work and to uh, accomplish your responsibilities. We wanna support you any way we can. Well, if no one else is, Sonia is doing great. So that's good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. We do have one other question. Um, someone's asked, we were told that the vaccine requirements would be reviewed today. Is, is that the case? Well, I, I don't recall a specific review uh, date, uh, nor do I recall exactly of what that review might entail. So I, there's a couple of different dimensions of vaccines. Uh, one is that uh, the Board of Trustees has approved a policy that all employees and all students will receive a flu vaccination this fall. Uh, but remember, they also approved uh, two exemptions to that requirement, that if uh, you have a health condition that prevents it, or you have uh, a faith-based reason why you should not receive that vaccine, that you'll be able to opt out uh, of the vaccine for either of those two purposes. So as far as the flu vaccine goes, uh, that's, uh, pretty solid in place, I would say. And obviously one of the things we're waiting on is availability of the flu vaccine. And I think most recommend getting that vaccine in early fall, which uh, maybe is, is almost upon us. So uh, you don't wanna get it too early or else it loses effectiveness over the flu season. On the other hand, you don't wanna wait too long or else uh, you may, may contract the flu uh, before you ever get the vaccine. The second uh, component of vaccine that I, you know, think folks are talking about a lot, obviously, is a vaccine for COVID-19. Uh, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of talk about that, about availability, about distribution, about priorities for who would receive uh, any COVID-19 vaccine and when. I'm not in a good position to have any uh, great detailed information about that other than to say, you know, I, I, I am one, just my personal beliefs are that vaccines are useful. Uh, and I think uh, we should certainly each evaluate what's in our own best uh, health interests and, and do what's, what's best for us. Uh, when that vaccine becomes available, we'll, we'll certainly, I think, 
rely upon science to tell us if it's uh, safe, if it's effective, and then, then act accordingly with regard to uh, getting that vaccination. Uh, my crystal ball isn't any better than yours as to when that might be, but I, obviously there are a lot of uh, uh, efforts being put into uh, bringing forth a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus uh, as soon as possible. And we'll certainly stay on top of that. And when there is such a vaccine, uh, uh, if there's opportunities to make that widely available, we'd, we'd certainly contribute to that. So you actually answered a question that was asked about that. Um, but uh, the person did also ask, would it be a requirement to get the COVID vaccine if it was widely available? I don't think that has been uh, absolutely determined at this point. Uh, you know, at this point, we've said we really want everyone to get the flu vaccine. And obviously, that's to keep the background uh, issues of flu, hopefully, uh, separate from uh, coronavirus, because some of those symptoms do look similar. Uh, but at this point, uh, with no vaccine available, it's really hard to, to make specific policies about the uh, coronavirus vaccine. So we'll, I'll keep you informed on that. As I hear uh, conversation or more specifics, uh, certainly provide an update uh, in this chat and, and otherwise. That sounds great. Um, well, it looks like those are all of our questions. So do you have some final remarks? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a couple of things, uh, and I see a couple of chats here going on as well. I, I mentioned the flu vaccine. While we're going to require the vaccine, let me also make sure I'm clear, we're, we're not going to provide it because what we do provide is health insurance. And so everyone will, will take care of their flu vaccination themselves. And then there will be a reporting process to enable you to report if you've had the vaccine or if you've uh, opted out for one of those reasons that I mentioned previously. So uh, if you're thinking, well, you know, when's the university going to get me this vaccine? <laughs> We're not. We're going to get you the health insurance that in turn enables you to get the vaccine, either from uh, a pharmacy, from your uh, primary care physician, from a health clinic, uh, however you may choose to do that. Uh, let me wrap up uh, then by saying, you know, uh, we continue to, to really do very well in the Institute. I continue to get very positive feedback. Uh, across all of our uh, major program areas. I hear good things from students about their classroom experiences and about their online experiences. I hear good things from uh, our veterinary students and our veterinary clients uh, about their education, about the, the uh, treatment they're receiving. So uh, that's always uh, been very positive throughout this pandemic. Uh, I've seen some very good positive reports about some research uh, awards uh, in the last several weeks. So clearly uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, very positive work going on there. And UT Extension uh, continues to offer some very effective programming, uh, both online and in person uh, throughout this pandemic. And uh, that, that positive feedback gets back to me as well. I don't do a good job of letting you know how, how much people recognize and appreciate the work you do, but, uh, but they do. Uh, and I wanna just take a moment this afternoon to say, I thank you for that as well. Uh, you're each going above and beyond to accomplish things in the midst of really challenging circumstances and situations. I don't know about you, it is starting to feel a little bit more normal. I actually, uh, the other day walked out of the house uh, feeling naked because I didn't have my mask on. So, uh, you know, maybe 
maybe this is starting to uh, become more of our everyday lives. Uh, and, uh, and that's a good thing to some extent, because I think if we can make the most of this uh, situation, continue to do things that enable us to educate and research, and, uh, reach out and help communities, uh, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what uh, folks are counting on. And thankfully, you've all been doing that, and that positions the Institute very well. So I uh, really want to just say thanks. Hang in there. You're doing a great job. Uh, we're making good progress. I feel like uh, the Institute remains on a very positive trajectory, uh, thanks to your hard work. Well, great. Well, that's all we have. So everyone have a wonderful weekend.